Good evening. This is Peter Hammond in the studio for From the Front Line. Tonight we're looking at important lessons learned in the field. After my first mission to Mozambique, April 1982, my pastor, Reverend Doc Watson, who later became chairman of the board of Frontline Fellowship for 16 years to the end of his life, Doc Watson challenged me, many missionaries tell of what they have done. I would like to know what you have learned. That challenge has continued to inspire me to look deeper, to discover what God is saying in and through the many obstacles, frustrations, conflicts, and through every country I've had the privilege of ministering in. And I've traveled in 42 countries and ministered in 38 countries over the last 40 years. It has also led me to ask many questions. I have filled up many notebooks, interviewing missionaries, pastors, refugees, chaplains, evangelists, teachers, survivors of atrocities, prisoners, soldiers, policemen, and even several heads of state. Always ask why. The words of my first high school history teacher, Mr. Rhys Davies, who was also a member of Parliament in Rhodesia, has also frequently echoed in my mind, always ask why. What is the context? Do not accept the official narrative, but wear the victor's version. Wartime propaganda all too evilly morphs into peacetime textbooks. And so my history teacher, Mr. Rhys Davies, regularly said, learn to think critically, think outside the box, dig deeper. You will not find the truth by accepting the standard narrative parroted in the news media or on Hollywood screens. Always ask why. Another good piece of advice was received after one of my early missions to Mozambique, after a missions report back at a church in the Transvaal. One of the people mentioned to me at the door, what you have to say is hard to believe. Next time, take pictures. Well, that was great advice. I had not taken a camera or pictures on my first mission to Mozambique. I was so focused on the work to be done. But what he said made sense. Why should people believe what I'm saying? How much more convincing to show them photographic proof? It's one thing to tell people that churches are being destroyed by communists or jihadists. It's another thing to document it with photographic evidence and eyewitness testimonies, if at all possible with dates, names and places. So that was helpful. Those are very helpful challenges already. What have you learned? Um, always ask why and um, take pictures. Well, on one of my first speaking tours to the United States, in fact, the very first, one man observed, you exposed the problem and the threat of communism very well. But what hope do you offer? Well, that was a great challenge. Never again would I present any problem without concluding with a solution. Now what? What can I do? What difference can I make? Positive, practical, constructive suggestions and projects are needed to move people beyond information to inspiration and involvement, not only to educate, but to enlist people to make a difference. We must motivate them, and we must motivate people to action. Regularly, when people have asked, what can we do? I would respond with the five I's. Information, intercession, involvement, implementation, and investment. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge, the prophet Hosea said. We need to be informed. Jesus told us that we should always pray and not give up. We need to be 
interceding, and we need to be involved. As Nehemiah mobilized the people of Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and to defend the city, there's always something each one of us can do, practically and positively. There are strategies to implement, there are projects we can invest our time, talents, and treasure. So what can I do? Information, intercession, involvement, implementation, and investment. And you could see all that in the book of Nehemiah. The first evangelistic rally I attended on the night of my conversion, Sunday the 3rd of April 1977, the speaker, Reverend Rex Matthew, asked, what have you done for Christ? He gave this great testimony of the painting, Behold the Man, in an art gallery in Dusseldorf, which Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf saw and was convicted when he read the message, This I have done for thee, what hast thou done for me? And that led Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf to surrender his life to Christ, and, and he launched the Herrenhut community, which launched a prayer chain, which for 365 days a year, for 150 years, 25 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, kept up a prayer chain for 150 years. And during that time, 2,500 missionaries were sent out from the community, the fellowship at Herrenhut. Um, these Moravian missionaries came as far afield as Greenland's icy mountains and the Cape of Good Hope. And we've just recently visited the mission station and the church and the many great museums at Gernadendal, site of the first mission station launched in Southern Africa back in the 1730s. What have you done for Christ? Well, Rex Matthew, after challenging that, says, what have you done for Christ? Well, I realized at that stage I'd done nothing. Christ hadn't so much as given thanks to him for anything. And I repented of the sin of ingratitude. I knew I was a hell-deserving sinner. I went forward that night and I surrendered my life to Christ and I was called to missions. What have you done for Christ? Since then, Christ's great commission has become my supreme ambition. His last command must be my first concern. We need to know God and we need to make him known. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. We need to focus and we need to use our energy. We need to aim for maximum impact. We need to work strategically. First, do the research. Who is doing what? Who is doing it where? There's no need to reinvent the wheel. If a good resource already exists, use it. From our first mission, God guided me to network and learn from those who had already been in the field and use those resources already available. From the very first days of Frontline Fellowship, World Missionary Press Gospel Booklets became a vital part of every outreach. WMP produces 50-page gospel booklets in well over 300 languages, and I've had the privilege of distributing millions of their gospel booklets in nearly 100 languages across 38 countries. Gospel recordings, Bible media have provided us with many thousands of gospel records, card talks, gospel messengers, tapes, flip charts, audio Bibles in more than 100 languages. We've used these audio resources to reach the illiterate in marketplaces and beer halls, in prisons and hospitals in military bases, in terrorist camps, in refugee camps, on the streets, and hut to hut. Similarly, the Jesus film in over 100 languages has enabled us to reach many tens of thousands of people with the core charisma of the gospel in their language. Evangelism Explosion, Way of the Master, Answers in Genesis, they have provided invaluable resources which we have integrated into our Great Commission camps and courses and seminars and outreaches. Francis Grimm, the founder of the first mission that I had the privilege of serving, Hospital Christian Fellowship, he taught me how to pray intensively. 
in hours of prayer, every morning, days of prayer, nights of prayer at HGF headquarters in Kempton Park. He taught me to pray through uh, through the prayer book of Hospital Christian Fellowship, which was Operation World, which Patrick Johnson put together, the intercessory handbook for every country. And so at HGF HQ in Kempton Park, we would pray country by country in strategic prayer focus daily and sometimes through the night. Francis Grimm also taught me what it means to live by faith. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. God's servant is God's responsibility. Where God guides, he provides. Francis Grimm also said that a missionary's job description is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Despite conducting speaking tours in 38 countries and four continents, I've never acquired speaker's fees. Freely you've received and freely, freely give. Neither have I taken any royalties from any of the books I've written, which is uh, well over uh, 50 different titles, and uh, many of those translate into different languages as well and different editions. And all the proceeds go directly to the mission. Everything that's been accomplished in and through our mission over the last 40 years has been entirely due to the grace of God alone. Some of the other great quotes from missionaries which inspired me and guided my ministry over the last four decades have included C.T. Studd's statement, Some like to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. The great cricketer for Christ, C.T. Studd, also made the statement, You only have one life. It will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. We need to redeem the time. We need to always carry a Bible or New Testament. Know the Word of God and the God of the Word. Always have a notebook and pen. The weakest ink is still stronger than the strongest memory. Write it down. Make checklists. Regularly reevaluate your life and your goals and your habits. Establish control of your time so that you can focus on what is most important. Eliminate time wasters like TV and newspapers and in many cases, people waste their time on too much social media and what's going on on the internet. Be bold. Be brave for God. Seize the opportunities. Do not remain seated when the time comes for you to stand up for God. Do not hesitate when time comes to step out in faith. Do not remain silent when you need to speak up, to expose evil and to proclaim biblical truth. True love is measured by sacrifice. Some of the lessons learned and some of the major themes of my life over the last 40 years have included conversion to Christ, call to missions, consecration, conflict, commitment, and consistency. Those are the six C's. Conversion, call, consecration, conflict, commitment, and consistency. You cannot expect maximum blessing from minimum commitment. We need conversion to Christ, We need commitment to Christ and we need consistent service for Christ. Do not settle for less than God's very best. God gives the best to those who leave the choice to him. I learned much during my service in Scripture Union, in school ministries and holiday missions and working in the Scripture Union bookstore. One of their slogans was Bible before breakfast. That's a good principle. Bible before breakfast. My first full-time missionary training was received under the mentorship of Francis Grimm in Hospital Christian Fellowship in Kempton Park and traveling around the country. He reminded us more people pass through the hospitals of the world than through the churches. 
And so the goal was to reach, disciple and train doctors, nurses and other medical staff to evangelize and counsel patients biblically. Francis Grimm declared a missionary must be BA and RFA, born again and ready for anything. A missionary must be ready to preach, pray or die at a moment's notice. In the course of my missionary training at HCF and in the early years of Frontline Fellowship, I hitchhiked over 140,000 kilometers, frequently with absolutely no money whatsoever, not a coin in the pocket, sleeping in my sleeping bag on the side of the road, in parks, in the rain, in bus shelters, in Wendy houses, in tree houses, in church foyers, and used car parking lots and garages, and even police cells where local police stations were kind enough to let me use a bunk in a cell to sleep out of the rain at night. My military service taught me the importance of teamwork, discipline, and stamina. Persevere. Keep on keeping on. Never give up. Never give in. Adapt. Innovate. Do not make excuses. Make a plan. Overcome all obstacles. Win the victory by aggressive action. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Victory loves preparation. Victory also loves training and discipline. It was a privilege to learn from Muslim evangelism authority Gerhard Niels, the founder of Life Challenge Africa and the author of many great books, such as Christians Answer Muslims and Christians Ask Muslims and The Great Commission and Muslims. I had the privilege of going door-to-door with Gerhard Niels throughout the Malay court and learning how to interact with Muslims evangelistically. At Baptist Theological College, now Baptist Seminary, I was mentored by the dynamic Dr. Fritz House, who was our inspiring Old Testament professor. He introduced me to imprecatory prayers, to the doctrines of the Reformation, and to the Christology of the Old Testament. This dramatically deepened my devotional life and my prayer life, and and widened my vision to work for Reformation today. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Our Lord also warned us that he did not come to bring peace but a sword. At home, at church, in the army, in the street, and later on battlefields and mission fields, I learned that conflict, being misunderstood or targeted for character assassination, is part of your call to missions. It's part of our consecration process. If you are not being criticized, you're probably not doing your job. Anything that moves causes friction. As Dr. James Kennedy told me, the only way you can avoid being criticized is to say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. My missionary call has taken me across four continents, well over 140 missions behind enemy lines, smuggling Bibles to persecute Christians and serving the suffering in communist and Muslim lands. Often, frustrations and sickness and opposition and bureaucratic obstructionism could tempt one to discouragement and despondency. But whether under aerial bombardment or artillery fire in areas where landmines were prevalent and ambushes and ever-present danger, I found studying the Psalms, meditating upon the Psalms, praying the Psalms of immense inspiration and encouragement, and vital to keep my faith and focus on the author and the finisher of our faith. When in prison and suffering abuse at the hands of malicious individuals and walking through the killing fields of Mozambique and Rwanda, I kept my sanity by focusing on documenting the atrocities and determining to publish the plight of the persecuted, ensuring that they had not suffered or died in vain. 
that was a vital element of how I have coped with cruelty and colossal carnage. To determine to do something positive to help the suffering and to be a voice to the voiceless, that is therapeutic to a large extent. I think many of us who've worked in war zones and been involved in ministry to the persecuted have suffered something resembling post-traumatic stress disorder and we've been doubtless overwhelmed by emotions at some of these times and on the recollection of it. But doing something positive, it's better to light a candle into curse of darkness. Many frontline news reports and books like In the Killing Fields of Mozambique and Holocaust and Rwanda, Faith and Defiance Sudan, they were absolutely essential for me to cope. Doing something positive, ensuring that the testimonies of triumph amidst tribulation and Christian courage and perseverance amidst unspeakable viciousness, this helped to redeem the situation by mobilizing prayer and pressure on behalf of persecuted Christians. Soldiers, firemen, paramedics, emergency workers, and missionaries who are exposed to mind-numbing, shocking scenes, we do struggle to cope with what we've seen and experienced. And whilst there have been times when I've been physically ill from the horrors I've witnessed and overwhelmed by some of the tragic testimonies I have recorded, it has seldom led to prolonged depression or nightmares. I believe this is largely because on every occasion I've focused on doing what could be done to help alleviate the suffering and to document and publish eyewitness reports Mobilize prayer and pressure on behalf of the persecuted. Our love and action, boxes with love, direct relief aid, assistance to prisoners, to pastors, to pensioners and other people suffering in afflicted, war-torn, communist and Muslim-restricted access areas have also helped move me from excessive introspection and unproductive depression by focusing on what can be done to improve the situation and to try to prevent such horrors from happening again. This has included helping churches with practical security precautions and contingency plan options such as in the Security and Survival Handbook and bring back video footage and interviews that could be integrated into films such as Sudan, the Hidden Holocaust and Terrorism Persecution. And these videos helped alert Christians worldwide to the colossal conflict in Sudan, which at the time many referred to as Africa's Forgotten War. Christians in Nuba Mountains in South Sudan rejoiced and explained with much joy when they saw their stories, their articles, their pictures and testimonies published in our Frontline News and Faith and Defiance Sudan book. You've given us a voice, they said. We were hidden people fighting a forgotten war. You have become our ambassador. You've given us back our history. You've given us hope for the future. At the time, it seemed so inadequate. What difference could these photographs, slides news reports, testimonies, chapters and publications, what difference could these public meetings and radio programs, videos and documentaries really do to alleviate their suffering? Yet, culminatively, we can see tremendous answers to humble, inadequate prayers. Pray the Psalms. Pray the imprecatory Psalms of justice. Pray for the persecuted church. Pray against evil. Just some of the great answers to prayer that I've witnessed include the coming down of the Berlin Wall, coming down the Iron Curtain, the opening up of Eastern Europe and Russia at the Gospel in 1989, the fulfillment of the seven-year Jericho prayer march focus, the collapse of the communist regimes in Ethiopia and Zambia in 1991, the opening up of China to the Gospel, the opening up of communist Mozambique, which was once the least evangelized country in the Southern Hemisphere, according to Operation World, 
the country where we began our ministry, into Mozambique, when we began our ministry, there were less than 4% Protestants and evangelicals in the whole country. Barely one Bible for a thousand people in Mozambique. Today, approximately 34% of people in Mozambique would call themselves Bible-believing, born-again, or evangelical Christians. The secession and independence of South Sudan in 2011 was another major answer to fervent prayer and concerted action. We must never forget these monumental testimonies to the power of prayer, or should I say, to the power of God's gracious answers to our humble and adequate prayers. Now, balancing the demands of leading a mission into restricted access areas with the incredible responsibility to raise God-fearing sons and daughters was a daily challenge. Even before my firstborn, Andrea, arrived to transform my life, I determined to give quality time to my children. All too often one sees those in ministry who neglect their family and raise prodigals who resent missions. No matter how busy I was, no matter how great the demands and deadlines, I would do everything to make it home for supper, reading time with my children. If necessary, I'd return to mission or bring piles of work home to deal with after they were asleep. Actually, many of my books were written when everyone else was asleep. In fact, a major part of missions is learning to remain productive on far less sleep than the average person. Saturdays were often days of adventure when I took my children up the mountains and into forests and through museums, ensuring that they loved nature and loved reading and loved seeking knowledge and loved history and loved serving the Lord. During some outreaches, other parents have asked me, how did you manage to get all your children, even through the teenage years and into adulthood, to enjoy participating in Christian camps, courses and outreaches and evangelism? Well, I'd actually not even thought about it till asked, and it was very gratifying when decades on, Lenora reminded me that none of our children had ever missed any of our camps, courses or outreaches, unless they were on another continent at the time. And when I asked my firstborn, Andrea, she replied, I'd always involved them in mission outreaches and they grew up enjoying it. One important principle that I'd recommend is I never allowed telephone calls to interfere with family supper time or Bible study or reading time. Even if the president phoned, I was not available. I did not allow anything to intrude on devotions and reading time with our children. General Ben Parton, U.S. Air Force retired, one of our good friends, and in fact the first home I stayed in in America was General Parton's home uh, on my first mission in 1988 to America. In fact, I think I stayed in his home more than any other American home over the years. He told me he would never hire anyone on his staff who had not made serious mistakes. Anyone who cannot point out what he has failed at and where he has gone wrong is either lying, covering up his mistakes and refusing to learn from them, blaming others, or he lacks the moral courage to strive and to try and to risk failure. Good insights. We need to learn from our mistakes. The most important commitments that I've made include to Christ and to the Great Commission in 1977, to marriage in 1989, to parenthood from 1991 onwards. In 2005, my mission to Europe led to the launching of the Reformation Society and Livingston Fellowship. Our Lord Jesus Christ commanded us to deny ourselves, to forsake the world, to take up our cross, to follow him. The whole life of a Christian involves self-denial, self-sacrifice, self-discipline, unselfish service to Christ and his creatures, a willingness to suffer, to endure hardship and abuse, and to do so graciously and joyfully as unto the Lord is essential. Whatever we do, we should do wholeheartedly as unto our Lord and not to men. It is a tremendous privilege to be a servant and a soldier of Christ. We need to live in the light of eternity. If you want to learn more 
about our mission and what we've been learning serving the Persecuted Church over 40 years, visit www.frontlinemissionsa.org. Frontlinemissionsa.org is our website. And you can email us, mission at frontline.org.za. Find us on social media on Facebook, Frontline Fellowship. And you will find a lot of audios and videos and reports. Um, there are all kinds of documentaries and, and books that have been produced, like Frontline, Behind Enemy Lines for Christ, which 440 pages with well over 400 pictures, uh, cataloging some of the adventures over the last 40 years, uh, including imprisonments and arrests and bombardments and capture and working behind enemy lines and a whole lot of insights into what we've learned. It seeks to be a voice for the persecuted church. And we are involved in so many different projects, running Great Commission courses, Biblical Worldview Summits. You can benefit from some of the lectures in both audio or video format, visiting the different websites. If you go onto Frontline Fellowship website, you'll find we've got over a thousand sermons on our sermon audio page, a whole lot, hundreds of, of PowerPoints on SlideShare. Uh, we've got many hundreds of videos on our Vimeo channel. And you can also find articles on a range of subjects, uh, prayer and praise updates, country focuses, prayer posters on the Middle East, on the New Mountains, South Sudan, Zimbabwe, that you can download and print. Um, we've got many of our tracks, well over 70 different titles in several languages in some cases, that you can download or uh, pass on digitally. So visit www.frontlinemissionsa.org website and you will find many different ways of getting in touch. If you email us at um, admin at frontline.org.za, we can put you on the emailing list and keep you up to date on what's been going on. If you're in the Cape Town area, we have a Reformation Society meeting every Thursday night. And if you're not in the Cape Town area, uh, you can get on a Reformation Society email list and uh, receive the videos and audio links from the previous week's presentations. So uh, there's a lot that you can be involved in. You can find different projects, priority projects, Lich of Africa projects. We distribute about 100 tons of Bibles and books every year, uh, sometimes more, uh, absolutely free through, throughout Africa, far and wide. Uh, William Carey Bible Institute um, online free distance learning program of 27 subjects, lots of great resources uh, to help not just homeschoolers and persecute church, but but it's, it's freely available to any committed to missions and um, Bible studies and sermons, including summarizing every book of the Bible, uh, both written and, and audio. Uh, those are uh, Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, available on our livingstonfellowship.co.today website. So there are good resources available, and if you're interested in our mission to the Persecute Church and working for Reformation Revival throughout Africa, uh, visit www.frontlinemissionsa.org. Please join us next week, same time, on From the Frontline. God bless and good night.